Hello and welcome to Tales of Symphonica, the video game music podcast where the music tells a story. Thanks so much for joining us again today. Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate everybody's uh, really kind feedback from the last episode. We both really enjoyed hearing that. And we, of course, are always going to be trying to make the uh, podcast better. Who is we? It is me. Uh, my name is Alex Pagano. I'm one of your co-hosts. And with me today, as always, I've got Lindsay North. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing today, Lindsay? I'm doing great. How are you, Alex? I am just dandy. Pretty stoked to record this because we're on a monthly cadence. This is like kind of kind of our hangout time a little bit, yeah. which is kind of nice. Um, it's it's really fun to have something to like plan to do with each other um, and actually spend hang out online, even though we're across the country. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, we have an awesome main topic planned for you today, or at least I think so. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay planned the main topic for today, so I'm very excited to check it out. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and get into what we are playing. Great. So I guess I'll go ahead and go first. And uh, I am playing a game. I've been playing a game recently called Cathedral, and I've hmm. been playing that on uh, on Switch. And it is a very solid, you know, Metroidvania game. You know, it's got very, you know, NES-like graphics. Uh, it's pretty difficult and you're, you know, you're moving around, you're exploring. There's a mysterious storyline happening. The settings are, you know, are really cool and atmospheric. It, it's it's a good game. It's a decent game. It doesn't really add a whole lot to the genre. Um, the Metroidvania genre is very explored. Uh, (laughs) an apropos term for it, maybe. Uh, and it doesn't, so it doesn't do a whole lot new with the genre. The differences that are here don't always vibe with me. They're, um, you know, moving around the, the map from one area to another is, is kind of difficult, uh, just from the way that the level does, the levels are laid out. Backtracking is kind of necessary because you can only equip like certain, exploration abilities at once like you can't equip your double jump and your dash at the same time oh which i means that you have to to get two secrets that are in the same room that use both of those power-ups you have to go back to somewhere where you can equip the power-ups and then come oh back. you can't just change them on the fly right yeah so i don't i don't really um that design decision i didn't didn't really sit right with me but the other you know the core of the game the movement uh in the combat does feel really good and finding secrets feels really cool it doesn't feel like they're just random you know you're you kind of get a sense that maybe there's something behind this wall um and the combat like i said does feel really good it it definitely has the most inspiration coming from metro or coming from uh shovel knight in terms of the music and the the presentation of it especially that's Uh, good inspiration yeah it's really good inspiration but the really interesting thing about uh, this soundtrack and what I really want to highlight is that almost every song in the soundtrack plays around with tempos and time signatures in really interesting ways. A lot of times throughout the soundtrack, I was surprised at what was going on with the song. And that was really cool. There aren't, <laughs> you know, you, a lot of times we'll both be playing a game and and, and step back and say, like, whoa, this, this music is really good or this music is really cool. Let me stop and listen right. to it. But it's not too often that 
the music surprises me with the direction mm-hmm. that it goes in. Um, you know, has some chords that I just don't expect, has some time signatures that come out of nowhere. Um, it doesn't always work for this because sometimes it brings the fact that the soundtrack is looping to the forefront of your mind. I mean, part of the whole point of video game music is that it's driving you forward without being too centered in the, in the experience of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, but when these time signature things, like when the, when these playful things with the time signatures and whatnot happen, it kind of spikes out at you as a player and says like, Oh, I'm looping again. Uh, remember, mm. like, remember that you've been listening to this song. I'm <laughs> looping again. Um, and so sometimes that can be like, yes, I know. <laughs> like, I know I've been, I've been in this area for a really long time. I get it. But when it does work, it's really, really brilliant. And I think it's really cool. So I think a really good example of this is shade forest in this game. Cathedral. Uh, the song is by Aaron Kramer. Let's go ahead and take a listen. All right. So that was Shade Forest off the game Cathedral by Aaron Kramer. What'd you think about that, Lindsay? That was really cool and really interesting. It definitely reminded me of Shovel Knight, mm-hmm. but then the song just kept changing. I felt like I listened to three or four different songs there in the yeah. day that we listened to it. It was pretty cool. And every one of the songs has these really, really cool designs. I think he did a great job with the soundtrack. Yeah. It's probably my favorite part of the game, honestly. Uh, the, the freshest ideas for sure. I'm really looking forward to hearing more from Aaron. Uh, in general, for the game, well, like I said, uh, doesn't do a whole lot new. Uh, solid core, though. Probably give it about a 6 out of 10. All right. Not a bad score. No, not bad. Nope. Still worth playing. So what do you got for us? So I've been playing the Switch, too. There's this game out now that many people have probably played at this point called Bravely Default 2. God, I'm so jealous. I really want to play this game. Yeah, it's almost like bringing me back to my childhood, where you're playing the old Final Fantasy games, Mm -hmm. and you're going through these worlds. Obviously, the graphics are incredible. Oh, okay, Um, cool. That's one of my favorite parts of the game, actually, is the character sprites are really adorable. Really? It's almost like the Switch remake of Zelda Link's Awakening, where everything is just really adorable. Oh, that would be so cute. It's not the same exact style, but it's similar enough in that everything looks pretty hand-drawn. And just like in Bravely Default 1, you're in these towns and the camera kind of zooms out to the entire town. Sweet. And it's this like big, beautiful, almost like watercolor painting looking. I just stop and look at the game on the Switch, mm. which I don't normally do. Yeah. I'll just sit there and stare at it because it's so pretty. Yeah. Uh, what I will say is the battle system is very similar to Bravely Default, the original one. Well, I liked that um, one. Yeah. And so it's the similar kind of battle system where you can save up turns for an all-out attack, or you can kind of take credit out on turns that then you can't attack later. And it's got a great job system, and they kind of release the jobs slowly. 
And just like in tactics, you can kind of have two jobs at once where oh, you have nice. the abilities from another job that you've had. So you're not just starting over every time you get a new job. That's awesome. I'm going to yeah. spend like 90 hours playing this game, aren't I? It's really long. <laughs> I think I'm about 20 hours in. I'm not even close. I'm in like chapter three or something. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, so that, that stuff is all great. And the dungeons are really cool. The bosses are great. So the one thing I will say about this game is it is super grindy. Mm. It is extremely grindy. And so if you're playing on normal, which is what I'm playing on, you will have to backtrack some if you got the wrong job set up, especially early in the game, because they're you basically have to be a high enough level. You can't just mix up your job. There's only a certain number of jobs available. Right. So if you don't like grinding, this is not the game for you. It's extremely long and it's very grindy. Mm. But if you like old school RPGs and you like difficult RPGs, it's a really fun game. Yeah. So I've been really enjoying it. It's going to take me a while. Yeah. It's take me a while to beat this one. I really love a nice grindy turn-based rpg kind of like saturday morning cartoons kind of mm -hmm. a vibe like if you wake up and it's like really crappy outside and instead of going out there you just curl up on the couch with your switch and just get real cozy and just yep. just just grind through some levels i love that <laughs> that's like my favorite time to play a game like this so yep. i will look forward to it uh, another cool thing about the game is the music. The music in the first game was also really good. Yeah. So I was looking forward to hearing this one as well. It's the same composer, uh, Revo. Just Revo. Yeah, that's what it says. Okay. So just Revo. Apparently he has composed for Sailor Moon and other things. But Sweet. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite songs from the game because the game does a good job of having themes for different characters that kind of fit their personality. Hmm. so that's nice this is the main character in the game seth and we're gonna go ahead and listen to seth's theme from bravely default 2 What'd you think of that song, Alex? I thought it was great. It's just so jolly. I love that. Uh, we were talking uh, in the middle uh, while we were listening to it. We were both saying that we just like, kind of want to get up and dance to it. Just yeah. putting a smile on our face. Yeah. It really brings me... It's like calming, but also brings me joy at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about Bravely Default music in general. The whole soundtrack is great. But overall, I'm not even close to done with the game. But if I have to give it a pre-score, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, nice. It's a lot of fun. I really like the game. I just, I've got to get through some of the grinding to get past yeah. this one boss I'm stuck at because he's kicking my butt every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to check in on that. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know, maybe to, maybe in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. All right. So I want to talk about our main topic today, Alex. And I've spent a lot of time researching. And this is a game that's near and dear to our hearts because we played this game as a child. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Mario Paint. Oh. Yes. So Alex and I both 
had Super Nintendos, and we would go over to each other's houses. Did you have Mario Paint, or did you play it at my house? I most I played it at your house, and you brought it over to my house. Okay. I now have it. It is it is in my boxes of Super Super Nintendo stuff. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so we played this game a lot as a kid. Probably more. We played the Nat game probably more than any other part of the game. That's the thing I remember the most. Yeah. Yeah, we loved this game, and I think every kid loved this game that had a Super Nintendo, yes. and their parents bought them this game. Um, but I want to set the stage for how this game came around because it's not just a regular video game development cycle. This game came around in a time when video games were getting lots and lots of backlash mm. for violence. Uh, they wanted to get Congress to rate video games. Remember all of that? Yeah. This was what was going on at the time. Oy. So parents, as they do, were complaining <laughs> about their children playing violent games. They were claiming that it was going to make their kids violent. And so Nintendo, as Nintendo does, they wanted to make a game that would make parents happy as well as kids. So they decided they wanted to make a game that was not only a game, but an educational tool. And so they wanted to combat this stereotype for video games that they were this violent genre that was going to make kids beat each other up or whatever the parents were worried about. Mm-hmm. And so they looked to other educational games that we played in school. Remember Oregon Trail? Loved Oregon Trail. Never yeah. got very far with it. Yeah. Always, always died. Uh, was basically playing it for the hunting mini game and then died of dysentery. Like yeah, else. always dysentery. <laughs> Everyone died of dysentery. Or when I was so. fording rivers, a lot of times yes. when I was fording rivers, I would die on those. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, my ox would die. Yes. And then what are you doing? Right. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other one was Carmen San Diego, which I played. I don't know if you played that one. Yeah, we had that at uh, we had that. We must have just both had it at our houses and never talked about it because I don't think we ever played it together. <laughs> but I loved that game. Yeah, that was a fun game, and you know, it, it was an educational game. It brought you around the world. You learned about different parts of the world. Great game. And so, yeah, Nintendo looked to those games for inspiration. And the creator of Mario Paint is Hirofumi Matsuoka, mm. uh, and he decided that. He wanted to create a game where you could create things, where children could create things just like a PC, because back then PCs were unreasonably expensive. Right. And so I don't remember when we even got a PC, but I think it was after Mario Paint even came out. When did the game come out? So it came out in 1992. Hmm. Okay. When we were four. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think we had a pc at that point yeah so back then if you wanted to create artwork or music you had to have a pc Mm. and matsuoka decided that he wanted to make a game that you could play on the super nintendo and create the same kind of programs art programs and music programs that you could do at home as a child in front of your tv so it was way cheaper than buying a computer with an art program it was 60 dollars for mario paint it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yep. So if you had a Super Nintendo, it was just 60 bucks for Mario Paint. And that came with the mouse and the little uh, thing you put your mouth, the mouse, the pad, mouse pad, the plastic that's... mouse pad. <sighs> what an awesome peripheral. I haven't had a mouse pad in a long time. But yeah, this one had a plastic mouse pad and a plastic mm-hmm. mouse with a little ball on the bottom. Yeah. Back when the mouse would get stuck, when the ball would get stuck in there. <laughs> but that's what it back. had. Yep. Yeah, so it became uh, the country's best-selling game. Wait, the USA's best-selling game? Yes, so in 1992 when it came out, at the time it came out, it was outselling Link to the Past and Street Fighter 2 in Japan. 
And then it became what? one of the best-selling games in America as well. What? So it was a huge hit in Japan I, and America. I had no idea Mario Paint was this popular. I thought it was one of these games that like you and I loved and that we were kind of isolated in that experience. I had no idea that this game was this popular. I thought that too. And the more people I talked to, everyone I know that had a Super Nintendo, they've all played Mario Paint. So apparently it's not as uh, niche as we thought. We're not as cool well, ahead of the game. I, I never we thought. thought we were cool, so. Well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they launched a huge advertising campaign. So they took out a full page ad and it said, take your kids to art, film, and music school all for $59. So <laughs> great tagline. <laughs> yeah. And they had this great push line for parents, obviously, but kids liked it too. And they also had a bunch of television ads. Uh, and one of the television ads was specifically for Mario paint art. One was for Mario paint composer where you compose oh, music. So they split it up in, in between the different things that the game was doing. Yeah. So different ads had, different parts of the game they were talking about to try and cater to all parties so really cool yeah i think that was a good marketing strategy yeah so what i'd like to do is just listen to one of the early mario paint nintendo commercials with you sweet uh, so we can just relive our childhood yes all right i couldn't get this tune out of my head till i heard these flowers then a heartbeat and the sound of mushrooms sprouting it was raining cats and dogs in harmony. Then airplanes hit the high notes. Even the stars came out to play. Hey, I think I just wrote a song. Mario Paint. Draw and make music. Only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Alright, so what'd you think of that ad, Alex? Oh my god, the game. That, that, that ad was fantastic. I was just grinning the whole time I watched it. It just made me want to play Mario Paint again. I know. It makes me want to go right back right now and play it. If I even, I don't even think I still have my old Super Nintendo. Yeah, you'd have to come over here. Do. Yeah, you have to come here and then we'll play it over here. Yeah, no problem. Sweet. I'm on my way because this, <laughs> the, the ad, spoiler alert for the rest of our podcast, we're going to be talking about the Mario Paint music portion. And that ad is all about the Mario Paint music portion. Cool. And so the music and the sounds that you heard in the ad are the actual sounds from Mario Paint Composer. And it's showing you in the ad how you can put the sounds together. And the little kid made a song. Uh, and that's what the game is all about. It's about creating your own songs and creating your own artwork. And the game, the game, not only did it have a composer, but it also had like a full art program. So you could draw. There were different widths of the pencil. You could do all these different effects. You could make short little videos. And you'd have to literally draw each different, almost like a flip book. You have to draw each frame, uh -huh. and then you could put them all together to make a video. Did we ever so, do that? No, we were not advanced. <laughs> <laughs> At all. Not utilizing the full potential of no, Mario Paint. <laughs> we did not. I don't even remember. I remember the coloring book. Yeah, I remember that you could pull up like a Super Mario World picture and you could paint yoshi whatever color you wanted yeah i think we painted yoshi like every time we did it yep, together. <laughs> definitely that was the one that was i the usually one. painted him green i was a very boring child so <laughs> uh but yeah i didn't know that you could do all of this different artwork programming uh until i was starting to research for this podcast and there are all kinds of things you can look up on the internet about things that people created in the mario paint art program and it's really cool it's a lot of really a lot of artists and video game designers got started 
as a kid and inspired by playing Mario Paint. No and way. And doing the art program. It's really interesting. That's so cool. Yep. And then they had our favorite part, which was the Nat Attack game. Uh, <laughs> the most video game part of this game not about video games and also yes. the most violent part <laughs> and it was so bizarre it was this random coffee cup that you would just click on and we were like what is this coffee cup and you'd click on it and then all of a sudden you were a hand holding a fly swatter and you were just swatting bugs on the screen in your kitchen <laughs> the game would get harder and harder and harder I don't think we ever beat the game I don't know if you can beat the game I've never looked it up. I have no idea. Yeah, I want to know if someone has ever beaten this game, because we certainly didn't. If you've beaten this game, tweet us at of Symphonica. Yes, uh, we want do. We want to hear about that. Yeah, you're better than us. <laughs> um, so when you hit the flies, they make these weird noises. They're like, meh. meh. And they, they make <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> these weird... <laughs> they're just like... They don't even sound like they're worried about dying. They're just like, meh. And they fall down. <laughs> You just brought back, you put me right back into sitting in front of the tea with you with that. You did a very good job on that sound effect. Thank you. Yeah. And so the extra life is like a doorbell. And then when you inevitably get hit because the they start coming at you like these wasps come out and they're shooting things at you. And the the background changes, the different levels, like an ice level and a fire level. And when you get hit, your character's there's a face that appears on your hand and he goes, ah, <laughs> and it, it's amazing. So yeah, all the different animals make all these weird sounds. We had a lot of fun and we spent way too much time playing that attack to never beat it. I think that we basically just played this game and made the sound effects at each other mm -hmm. the whole time. <laughs> As we should. Yeah. That yep. is the proper way to play that attack. Yep, if you're playing sure. it. Uh, but yeah, even the intro screen of the game was really cool. Because all the different letters, they had Mario Paint on the screen. And it, it wasn't just like a button you could click to start. You had to figure out how to even start the game. And so all the different letters had different effects. Do you remember that? I uh, This is vague, very vague memory to me at this point. Yeah, so you would click on some of the letters and they'd play a song. Or the fireworks would appear. Or one of them would like drop down to the ground and walk oh, off. Oh, the fireworks appearing. Okay, yeah, you just jogged my memory. Yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, so that was cool. And you had to figure mm -hmm. out how to even start the game. And then there were these weird acrobat characters that were like doing sit-ups during loading yes. screens. Oh my goodness, future Wii Fit Trainer. Yes, yes. So anyway, they uh, there's all kinds of things that were in this game. It was just jam-packed with all these little mini games that you could play. And you wouldn't know how complex of artwork and music that you could make. We certainly didn't. No. But... We did draw some things and then kind of drew some stick figures. We used yeah. the color. Mm -hmm. And then I made a couple songs. They yeah. weren't good. Uh, but did you make any songs in the Mario Paint Composer? Uh, I definitely remember making some with you. I think we kind of handed the mouse pad back and forth to each other. And I remember anyway, when we were playing together, mostly it just being, yes, making songs, but we were mostly checking out all the hilarious sounds that the that you can make in the in the sound composer yeah and you could combine the sounds so when you click on the mario paint composer when you're in the game there's all these different sounds at the top and you can click on them and you can put different sounds on different lines and kind of combine them to make music right and the the game actually had a couple tutorial songs to show you how it worked oh so i want to just play one of the tutorial songs 
first of all, for nostalgia's purposes for you, Alex, but also to just show you guys what the songs were supposed to sound like and how they could sound just kind of generically from Nintendo making them. If you were good at it. Yes. So those are most of the sounds that you can put in there in that song. Yeah, they really crammed them in. Yeah, so they did a good job of getting all the sounds in there and showing you how you could make it. And when you're playing it, when you're playing the game, you can actually see the sounds that they put onto the screen. Oh, cool. Cool. And and so you could try and emulate it or make something similar. But that's what the Mario Paint music maker was supposed to be about, was making fun little tunes. I don't think Nintendo could have imagined the kind of music that people were going to be able to make with this thing, because it's actually pretty incredible. Um, but there were limitations because it was on the Super Nintendo. You could only actually make one song at a time. Oh, so you couldn't make multiple songs and just save them on your cartridge. Oh, if you if you wanted to save a song and you wanted to replay it later and make a different song, you actually could save your creations on a VHS tape, which Wait, I did not know. On into a real live VHS tape. Yes, yeah, so people would <laughs> save them on VHS tapes. How? Is there a converter? Apparently there's a converter where you can plug it into your VCR <laughs> and you can you can put the songs onto your VHS tape. Oh my god, stop it. So if you were really good and it was 1992 and you were had enough money to have a bunch of blank VHS tapes, I guess they weren't that expensive. Um, and you had the talent, then I guess you could you could compose them and keep them. But me and you, just the regular users were not I mean all of our songs were bad. So. Yeah, yeah. Check out my sweet mixtape, and yeah. you think they're gonna pull out a cassette, and it's a VHS tape, and it's yeah, Super Mario. Right. <laughs> it's Mario Paint. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it ended up being the 18th best-selling Super Nintendo game, and it Whoa. sold more than two million copies Good in this game. Gravy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know this either. So apparently, there was supposed to be an N64 game. And it was called Mario Artist. On the N64, it did actually come out, but only in Japan. And you had to have this weird N64 CD drive add-on, and that never made it to the U.S. But there was a game, there was a sequel to Mario Paint called Mario Artist in Japan, but we never got one here in the U.S. Oh my goodness, that just makes me want to go back to Japan, find a shop in Akihabara pick up a N64 and a CD drive and find this game. Yep, I would love to play it, but this is something I wish I knew when I was living in Japan. For sure. But uh, originally, Super Mario Maker was actually going to be a Mario Paint sequel. That's so cool. Yeah, it ended up being something a little bit different, but we'll talk later. It has a lot of throwbacks to Mario Paint, and it was the inspiration. Mario Paint was the inspiration for Super Mario Maker overall. Makes a lot of sense. And one of the cooler things I learned is that, do you remember Homestar Runner? I friggin' love Homestar Runner, yes. Yeah, so go ahead and tell everyone what Homestar Runner is. Uh, It was, you know, out of the early internet days, um, a collection of characters, Uh, shorts, (laughs) uh, uh, games, uh, and characters reading emails, and uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. It was definitely earlier internet humor, but I think that those characters, honestly, I think if I rewatched 
the Homestar Runner clips and stuff, there would still be a lot of charm. And I think it was like yeah. a pretty big, it was a pretty big deal early internet days. Yeah. And if you were, if you were around and using a computer in the early internet days, you knew about Homestar Runner. For sure. So what I found out is that the original Homestar Runner, the very first time they made Homestar Runner, they actually made it in Mario Paint. What? The, hold up. They made the art in Mario Paint or they made the music no. in Mario? Okay. No, they made the whole animation, like a what? promo for Homestar Runner. What? And you can find it on their website <laughs> and it was made in Mario Paint. I cannot wait to go watch this. You are boggling my mind over it's here. It's crazy to me because we never even figured out how to make moving <laughs> animations. And these people are out here in the 90s making entire shows in Mario yeah. Paint. That's amazing. So. There you go. There's all kinds of things that we didn't know that you can do in Mario Paint. Um, wow. But the the thing I want to focus on today, because we are a video game music podcast, mm -hmm. is the Mario Paint composer. So it had some limitations. It only had 15 sounds. Okay. So you couldn't go out and import a sound that you heard. You couldn't, like, clap into a microphone or, like or anything like that you just had these 15 sounds like flower and a star and a mm -hmm. mushroom and yoshi all those different things and you could only put three notes per beat so it did limit the amount of sounds that you could make and how you could combine them but what i want to do is play those 15 sounds so that you guys can hear how amazing of music people made with just these 15 sounds so let's go ahead and listen to them So those are the 15 sounds that you could make with Mario Paint, and you had to somehow create music out of those sounds with only three notes. And Alex pointed out when we were listening, there's one bass note, uh, <laughs> there's a creepy baby sound, uh, there, which is actually used really well in, some of, these, in really? some of these songs that we'll listen to. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, and and so people were using the Mario Paint program. And then there ended up coming out a a composer on the internet. So on your computer, and people still use this to this day. They're still composing music with it. There's something called Mario Paint Composer online. It's online. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a program you can download. Yeah. So it's okay. a program you can download on your computer. And people would use that because it was easier than using that mouse and the right. plastic mouse pad. Uh, but you can use five sounds per note instead of just three. and so. People could make a lot more sounds with that, and you could speed up the songs or slow them down a lot more than on Mario Paint. Mm -hmm. And you had up to 96 bars. Mm -hmm. uh, so you could make a lot longer of songs on a computer. Got but it. even then, 96 bars isn't that long. No. So if you went over that, you had to save it, but you could save it on your computer and not on a VHS tape. I was going to say, did you have to put it on a VHS tape? <laughs> <laughs> no. And so you could save it and just kind of run them all together. And so what people would do is make, it would take, if you wanted a five minute song, you'd have to put like 15 or 20 of these in there <laughs> and you would just run them one after another to play the whole song. Wow. So yeah, people were very dedicated to this program. And a later iteration of Mario Paint Composer created four more instruments. So they added a couple more sounds to it on oh. the computer later on and they got a playlist feature so you could go past 96 bars. And you could make songs go as fast as you wanted. Cool. So 
some of the songs people will put a ton of notes in uh, and they'll go really fast. And that's just to make different kinds of sounds like background sounds that are going on and they have to play it really fast. Oh, interesting. It kind of, that kind of reminds me of the wave sequencing that we were talking about on the last episode, actually. Yeah. Interesting. So that's what people are doing. They're still creating music on it. They've been creating music on it for decades now. And people have made some pretty incredible music with it. And because the last episode we were talking about David Wise, I want to play for you uh, the original Donkey Kong Country theme so you can hear what the song sounds like. And then I want to play for you the Mario Paint version that someone made in Mario Paint (laughs) just using the Mario sounds so you can see how incredible it is. So let's play the first 40 seconds of the Donkey Kong Country theme. Uh Uh-huh. That was the original Donkey Kong Country theme. So now let's listen to the Mario Paint version. All right. So that's the Mario Paint version. And they use the baby and everything in there. Good and it's, gravy. It sounds exactly the same. It does. That I cannot believe how faithful it is to the original. Yeah. I can only imagine how long that took to create. Well, while we were listening to it, you were uh, pointing out that we were just flying through the files. How, we, how you had mm-hmm. to make these in, in multiple different files. Their beats per minute were like over 4,000. And so they were flying through 96 bars in about four seconds. It's yep. absolutely crazy. It's really incredible how really much time is. and effort they spent. And we only listened to 45 seconds and we were already on like number nine yes. of the files. So <laughs> they were just flying through them. And that was actually made by a YouTube user called Cyan SMP 64 mm-hmm. And the problem I've had researching and making this podcast is that a lot of these videos that you can find on YouTube are from like 2005. Whoa, really? So people made these videos a long time ago and it was popular in the early 2000s. And then those people just disappeared off of YouTube. Hmm. They don't have any way for me to contact them. Hmm. But if Cyan SMP64 is listening, you did a great job back in 2005 when you made that. Shout out to Cyan. Um, Yeah. And so some of the different sounds that they use in there, they use the cat, they use the car in that one, they use the airplane. And so they just... We're able to combine all these different sounds to somehow make it sound like Donkey Kong Country, which I find just absolutely incredible. Me too. And so while I wasn't able to find many people that made these Mario Paint composer songs, I did find one. And this is a man named Christoph Jacob. And he's a German composer. He's an actual composer of video game music now. And he had his start. He first started making video game music and it was inspiring to him to make video game music when he started playing with Mario Paint Composer. <laughs> That's so wonderful and so, yes. so delightful. I'm sure Nintendo would be so happy to know that. I'm I'm sure they would. And so he played with the composer on the computer and that's how he got his start knowing nothing about music. And now he's actually making 
video game soundtracks, entire soundtracks for video games because of the inspiration he got from Mario Paint Composer. So what I'd like to do is, because Kristoff can't be here with us, is I'd like to ask the questions that I asked Kristoff and have Alex kind of speak on his behalf for the answers that he's giving. So the first question that I had for Kristoff is, how did you get into video game music? Well, I grew up playing video games in a small village in Germany of less than 1,000 people. I fell in love with games like Sonic and Super Mario World and immediately knew that I wanted to be involved in making video games as an adult. When I was nine, I started playing acoustic guitar and followed up with electric guitar, bass, and percussion. When I was in school, I spent all my time playing video games and listening to video game music. I went to university and studied classical philology, which is the branch of knowledge that deals with structure, historical development, and relationships of a language or languages. I did not know that. Just as a quick aside, thank Me you for yourself. Uh, and uh, I started giving private lessons after college, but my passion was video games, and I decided to make a complete U-turn into making video game music. That's so cool. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> you went to college, you got this whole degree in philology, and you're tutoring kids, and then all of a sudden you're just like, no, that's it. I'm going to make video game music. Yep. I just, I, I know, I got to go back to my Mario Paint days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, so cool. it. And so that's his background. He kind of came from this small town. He liked music, and he listened to video game music the way that Alex and I did when we were growing up. And he decided to make a turn. So the next question I had for him was, how did you discover the Mario Paint composer? Well, one day, YouTube's algorithm showed me a song composed in Mario Paint Composer. As soon as I saw that, I was motivated to try it myself, so I started searching for it online, found it, and started composing immediately. Thanks, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube algorithms, <laughs> making new new video game composers every day. Yeah, changing lives, one, <laughs> one composer at a time. One algorithm at a time. That's perfect. Uh, so what was your first song that you made in Mario Paint Composer? I made my first song in one afternoon, and it was a boss theme from Sonic 3. It was pretty poorly done, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was better than ours. Uh, I mean, ours were some beeps and boops and whatever. So, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that was probably a solid first attempt. Yep. Uh, so how many songs did you, Kristoff, make on Mario Paint Composer? I made at least 150 songs on Mario Paint Composer. I was active from 2008 to 2012. I made the stupid decision at that point to delete my YouTube channel, and I lost about 95% of my songs forever because I had no backup. Apparently, he did not put them on VHS. Yeah, apparently uh, not. A friend of mine still had a few of my songs, so those are the only ones I have left. One song I'm most proud of is my composition from Sonic Generations. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to the original song from Sonic Generations and then show you Kristoff's iteration of it on Mario Paint Composer. So let's start with the original. Okay, so let's listen to Kristoff's version that he made in Mario Paint Composer. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so again, I am blown away every time I listen to one of these at how true to the original they can make these songs with 15 notes. Yeah, Kristoff just absolutely crushed it on this song. I can't believe how faithful that was with the little, um, we were talking about it while we were listening, using the star note in there, just little touches like that that really put it closer to the original I just I just can't believe how many like flourishes and whatnot that he was able to fit into that. Amazing. Yeah. And he was going so fast that we were on his 17th file when we got to the end of that listening, <laughs> sounds, which is less than a minute. That sounds so arduous. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure it took him forever. Uh, and actually, that was my next question to him after listening to this was, how long does it take to compose a song in Mario Paint Composer? Well, it depends on the length of the song. What I do is listen to the song over and over and specifically listen to the sound of one instrument each time I listen. I put that instrument into the song, then I go listen to another instrument until I have all of them in the song. It's time consuming, but it trains your ears a lot. One thing I learned and still use to this day is the concept of active listening. No distractions. Don't read while you listen to music. Don't scroll on your phone. Just take a pair of headphones and listen. If you're doing something else while you're listening to music, you're not really listening to it. You're just hearing it. Wise words. Wise words, indeed, from a professional video game music composer. <laughs> That's right. Can you imagine listening to a song and just listening for one sound? Yes, I can. And then, <laughs> you, is that what you did? Have you done this before? I, I have I have definitely done this before, yes. Uh, I, I mean, I recognize that the the focus that, that Christoph is talking about here. Just going, you know, backwards five seconds to listen right. to something going backwards and then again and again and again and again until it you know you know what needs to happen or what you need to do with it yeah yeah i mean i imagine that depending on the song and depending on how many sounds there are and how long the song is that could take days i'm sure i can't imagine listening to this like sonic generations one and figuring out how to do all of those instruments that's, that's yeah that's wild yeah so i wanted to ask Christoph. How he moved from Mario Paint Composer, composing these 150 songs he made. He was doing it for four years. How did he go from composing in Mario Paint Composer to creating actual music for video games in soundtracks? Well, I started using Mario Paint Composer in 2008 and made a lot of songs on it, but it was too clunky of a system to make a video game soundtrack on. I had a lot of limitations, which made it fun, but it wasn't designed for making entire soundtracks. I discovered a program called Evolution Audio Lite, which is a very basic digital audio workstation with MIDI instruments. I composed my first 200 to 250 songs <laughs> yep. in that program in a year and a half. Yeah, he was working. Wow. I also picked up the demo version of FL Studio, but it felt way too complicated for me at the time. I eventually went back to FL Studio after more practice, and that's what I use now to compose music. It can be pretty overwhelming if you're lacking experience and don't know anything about composing music. I finally learned mixing and mastering in the FL Studio, and that made my music sound ready to be in a video game. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask Christoph how the FL Studio Evolution Audio Light compare to using something like a Mario Paint Composer, and this is what he had to That's say. That's a great question. <laughs> it is much slower than Mario Paint Composer. In Mario Paint Composer, you're stuck with the 15 sounds, but at least you have the sounds preloaded for you. When you're composing on your own, you can't just throw random instruments together. This is where mixing and mastering come into play. I easily spend half of my time now trying to make the different sounds 
fit together, apply effects, and things like that. It takes me about 8 to 12 hours to compose one minute of finished music in FL Studio. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that's... He made 200 songs in a year. That He must have just been going absolutely overtime on writing those songs. Yeah, for real. That's a lot of time for one minute. Um, And so I wanted to ask Christoph what games he's been working on since he became a video game composer. I've been working on and am still working on a dual stick shooter called Revita Revita, uh, that's currently in early access. The soundtrack I made is available online. I am also working on Vibrant Venture, a 2D platformer, and Story Arcana, an RPG about magic school. Wow, those have to be really, really different soundtracks that he's yeah. working on. A dual stick shooter, a 2D uh-huh. platformer, and a, and an RPG. Those have yep. to be just be, those soundtracks just have to be completely different. I wonder if that's better or worse, like working on stuff that's so different from one another. Yeah, I, I don't know, but that's a lot of different genres that he's hitting uh, with his skill set. So that's awesome for him. Really interesting. Um, and I want to play one of the songs that he's made in FL Studio since he's making real games now. And this is from a game called Revita. It's in early access right now. And uh, the game's going to be coming out later on. But this is one of the songs that Kristoff made. It's called Hollow Hives, and it's from the Revita soundtrack. So let's check it out. So that's one of Kristoff's new songs that's going to be coming out on the game Revita. I love that song. Yeah, it's really good. That's a really good song. It's a really interesting baseline. Lot, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot going on. I mean, clearly, uh, clearly he's evolved a lot since uh, since yeah. only having 15 notes on, the, that's right. on Mario Paint. I don't know how he would make that song on Mario Paint. I bet he could though. I bet he could. Yeah. He could. He seemed to be able to make anything on there. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Kristoff. Uh, I really appreciate him answering questions for us and participating in our podcast. Check out his game. Check out his soundtrack. You can buy his soundtrack online. We're going to put that link up in the show notes for you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Christoph, to being our first interview for this podcast. It's so exciting. Absolutely. And hats off to you, Lindsay, for for landing that interview. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So the last thing I want to talk about as far as Mario Paint, Mario Paint Composer, is the impact that the composer and that Mario Paint had on future video games and future video game minds of creators. So both the maker of WarioWare DIY, which was a DS game where you have drawing and music creation tools, and the maker of Super Mario Maker, credit Mario Paint as the game that introduced them to the joys of developing games and inspired all those games years later. Wow. So WarioWare DIY was 2009, and Super Mario Maker was in 2015. So really long-lasting effects of, of Mario of Mario Paint here. Yeah, it seems like anyone that grew up playing Mario Paint that had any sort of talent and wanted to make video games a career, uh, 
they ended up getting inspired by that game and creating games based on it, which is really cool. You don't hear that a lot from video games. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the big ones, but you don't know too many people that can point to a specific game that was mm-hmm. an inspiration for their entire career and this right. entire game. Yeah. So for Super Mario Maker specifically, they actually just took the Fly Swatter game and copied it. And did so they? you you I did not know that. I, didn't I have know that not either. I have not played Super Mario Maker, but apparently the Fly Fly Swatter game is in there and you have to find it in the game somewhere. So <laughs> Yeah, and they took the baby face and that sound from oh, Mario Paint. Awful. Ugh. And they put it in the game. So you can put that little baby in your levels in Super uh, Mario Maker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you can click the letters in Super Mario Maker and they do effects like Mario Paint. Oh, okay. um, cool. And remember, we were talking about those little people that are doing sit ups and push ups during the loading screen. Yep. They have those in Super Mario Wait, Maker really? as well. Yeah. So when you're uploading a course to the internet, they have the little workout people that you, are there. You know, now that you say that, because I've only played two and not Mm -hmm. one uh and now that you say that i think i remember the little robot in that game i think when i saw that i was like oh this is a mario paint reference that's so cool (laughs) there's a ton of little mario paint references in both super mario makers and so game informer actually interviewed the mario super mario maker creator uh takashi tezuka and the director yosuke oshino And when they asked what inspired them to make the game, they said, and I'll go ahead and let Alex read the quote from what they said about Mario Paint. Sure. So uh, Tezuka says, I was first inspired to create a game like this when I saw the Wii U gamepad. And I thought it would be perfect for creating a gameplay experience kind of like Mario Paint. While I had a Mario Paint kind of game of gameplay experience in my head, at the same time, we have an internal tools team who is working in creating and editing applications for creating side-scrolling courses for our developers. So they were prototyping some different versions, and I saw that. These are tool developers. They're not creators. So when I saw them having fun with the tool, and it was simple enough for them to make courses, I saw the potential. And when they proposed we make a gameplay experience out of it, I agreed. It was such a great idea. Yeah, so he literally looked at the Wii U gamepad and decided this would be great for a game like Mario Paint, which is a really cool idea. I didn't think of that. I had the Wii U, one of the few people, I guess, that had the Wii U. Um, Sick bird. (laughs) You know what? I played Breath of the Wild on the Wii U, and I liked it, so I don't want to hear any trash talking. It had the map on there, so you could always use the map. I liked it. I mean, that's cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, his first thought was it would be like a Mario Paint type of experience and uh he also said that our idea of making a mario paint experience would have involved drawing but we thought creating courses directly on the gamepad was so intuitive it was kind of like doing your own artwork there so we kind of merged the two ideas together to come up with what we have today really really smart yeah and thank god for that because people love super mario maker they sure did and they have created some very difficult levels on there that I could never beat. Yeah, I'm not. I have a hard time even trying for some of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're trying to make the hardest possible level. They on certainly them. are. <laughs> uh, and yeah, in, in addition to Super Mario Maker and the WarioWare game, actually Undertale. So really, Toby Fox, who's the creator of Undertale, he actually used that dog sound <laughs> to compose an entire song <laughs> in the game. 
So he took that dog sound. He make he made the song Dog Song. It's just a bunch of the dog sounds from Mario Paint that he actually put into Undertale. So he's a huge fan of Mario Paint as well. That is just wonderful. And doesn't surprise yep. me at all from no. <laughs> from reading stuff about Toby Fox that he was that he also loved Mario Paint. Yep. So a game that came out in 1992 is still being used today and it's impacting composers and video game creators and it's just very nostalgic for everyone. So what I'd like to do before we leave today is close out with one of my favorite video game songs that was beautifully recreated in Mario Paint Composer. Mm-hmm. And that's Dire Dire Docks from the Super Mario 64 soundtrack. So Ooh. let's listen to the original for a few minutes, a few seconds here. Let's do this Mario Paint one. Okay, so Alex and I were just listening to this, and I don't even know which version of that song I like better. What do you think? I think I like the Mario Paint version better. <laughs> it's incredible. I can't believe how good that is. <laughs> right? It's, I can't believe that was made in Mario Paint Composer. And it's one of both of our favorite video game songs. And that just, they knocked that one out of the park. Really did. Wow. So that one was from someone called Sohez Mort. And the YouTube channel hasn't been updated since 2011. Tried to reach out, haven't heard back. But great job. With that Mario Paint composition. Uh, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really happy that we got to talk to talk about Mario Paint and tell people about the composer and just kind of showcase the amazing, not only the amazing music that people can create, but kind of the inspiration that this game had yeah. on composers and video game makers. And so I hadn't heard any podcasts that were specifically about the Mario Paint composer. Uh, and so I thought it would be a cool idea just to get that get that out there to the public i i'm so glad that you did that was so fun <laughs> just so many things i didn't know mm-hmm. uh fantastic uh if you have your own mario paint songs that you would like to send to us you can tweet them at us at of symphonica we'd love to take a listen absolutely so uh i want to tease the next episode again as we did this past time no one did guess our uh, this past episode um <laughs> perhaps understandably with the cryptic <laughs> clues we're going to keep things cryptic uh so next month's episode the clues that we have this week are game reviews tv ads and kickstarter mm. if you do figure that out what our next uh main topic is tweet it at us again that is at of symphonica and if you'd also like to drop us a line with you know feedback um you know lavish praise for example uh you can send all of that to uh you can send us an email at talesofsymphonica at gmail.com the sources for everything that Lindsay looked up well not the interview that she did that is a first hand uh that's, that's a first hand right. source right there <laughs> <That's> uh, right. <laughs> um my name is alex i'm Lindsay, and we will see you next time Look, it's the baby. It's the baby. (laughs)